good to see everyone today and so thankful to be able to be back after a couple of weeks of uh, being out, as all of you are aware, and you've been and told and you've been praying for my wife as she's had the knee replacement surgery, and she's still in the process of recovering from that. She's had several surgeries along the way, um, C-sections, giving birth, and all the different things that she's encountered. And we were told by several in the hospital and different ones that this would probably be the most painful surgery that she's ever had. And um, I think we all, we agree to that at this point now, that that, that's the, that is the case. And, um, and, but it's been bearable and she's doing well. So we're very, very thankful. Uh, it has caused me to realize that I hadn't had enough empathy for those in our congregation that have had knee surgeries in the past. I uh, thought about Roger Nelson and Terry Unruh and different ones. And so uh, I thought we should have been a little more compassionate toward them during that time. And I didn't, I didn't realize it but really, you know, knee replacement, no big deal, but it is a pretty big deal. And Cherry, you're too, right? You've had it, had it done. Two of them, okay. You, you went back for the second round. Well, that's very courageous of you. But, uh, but anyway, so, so we're learning some lessons. Uh, my wife and I are learning some lessons during this time. Um, she's learning how to be served. And I'm learning how to serve with a cheerful spirit. That's what the Lord is working on me about. And, and I know she's listening because she's very faithful to listen. So it's just like she's right here. So I can't say anything and get away with it. But it seems as though early on, I would just doze off in the night and she would say, I need something. And then I would get up and, and help and do whatever I need to do and then I'd doze off again, and she would say, I need something. So that we've had this discussion in our home about how I really, really need to learn how to do this with a cheerful spirit. So that's what I'm working on. And, uh, and she has acknowledged that she's seen some slight improvement along the way. So that, that's, that's encouraging. But she did send her, her best wishes to each one of you, and thanks for the prayers, and we're very grateful. Now. Kind of moving into uh, the, the direction that we're going to be going. If you've been around here very long at all, you're aware that I like certain topics. They're just certain topics that seem to keep popping up in my sermons. And, and so I thought I would list a couple of them for you. Um, you've heard me preach a lot, and it is important, and I will continue to do so with every breath that I have about unity in the church. Uh, our experiences in past churches, um, it's just disunity and division is so harmful to the body of Christ. And so you hear me preach a lot about unity because the Bible is full. The New Testament is full of unity. Uh, the, the, the body of Christ needs to be unified and, 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 and strong together. Uh, and that leads into another topic of relationships, and how to have strong relationships with each other. And then another topic I love to preach on, I spend a lot of time on this, and I always will, on the classrooms of life. The classrooms of life. As we're going through life, what classroom are you in? We're in a classroom. And so what classroom are you in? The trials and the struggles that you're facing in life, that you're going through right now, these trials, these struggles, it's a, it's a classroom. And for the believer, the amazing thing is you're just going to go from one classroom to the next. I mean, it, it's just one right after the other. And, and I do believe this, that if you don't le learn the lesson in one classroom, you don't really graduate to greater things until you get that down in that particular class. That's just my personal opinion, and the Lord is working and, and doing a great work 
But I think there are, and the scripture is loaded with showing the benefits of the benefits of struggling and the benefits of trial in the life of the believer. Another one uh, is on the fact that we're in a battle. Christians are in a battle. So I love to I love to teach about the battle, the war that we're in between Satan and, and God's people, Satan and the church. And, and Satan hates Christ and anything about Christ. And so uh, we are in this in this battle. So we have three enemies and you know them. What are the three enemies? What are the three enemies of the Christian? All right, let's say it again together. The world, the flesh, and the devil. So then you find Ephesians 6, where you, we, you discover in the Word of God that our battle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So when you look around and you think you've got an enemy, you need to realize that our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers and wickedness the army of, of Satan. So it's in this area that I wanted to kind of touch on today, this struggle that we're in, this battle that we're in, and I'd like to investigate, if you will, and try to extract some couple of just simple truths from the Word of God that would encourage us and maybe some nuggets of truth from God's Word that would help us to understand some things that are very, very critical and important in the Word of God for all believers. And it has to do with the things, the efforts, Satan attacking, circumstances, the things in life that cause us to lose our joy, and lose our peace. The things in life that cause us, that, that happen, that God allowed, that God allowed. I, I just have to tell you, this is not in my notes, but I got a phone call yesterday from Pastor Schrader. Pastor Schrader, he was very, very sick with COVID, very sick with COVID had pneumonia and, and was very, very ill, could have died from COVID in the hospital. And just recently, I don't know, it was within the last month, I'm pretty sure, his wife was driving along and they've got a lot of construction in their area, dusty roads, and she's driving along and she was involved in a car wreck. And she got injured and he said it was, it's a miracle that Jody Schrader is alive. It is a miracle that she is alive. She's got some issues. She's wearing a neck brace, going to have to wear that for a while, sleep in it. But this is the takeaway. He said, but the bottom line is God allowed it. God allowed it. He said, I'm preaching that to our church. That's what he told me yesterday. I'm preaching this. People need to understand that God allows things. He allows things to happen in your life. Now, we've got to determine why, figure out why. But God allows things. So the things that God allows, and, and you know this, but Satan has no authority over us apart from the permission that we give him, that we grant him. And so when we're talking about losing something that is very special, joy and peace in the life of the Christian, we, we need to understand that the things that come into our lives that are allowed by God, all, all things, of course, that are allowed by God, then we need to understand then why, if he allowed it, then why are we losing something that's so important to him in the Christian life? Why are we giving up something that's so treasured by him? And so I'm not sure that this message is going to be so much a how-to message, how to 
but it's going to be a message on pointing out some things that we need to understand about not giving it up. And so I, I wish I had the ability to do... How many of you have been in the military? I, I, let me just see. All right, military. You've been in the military. Remember the days in boot camp? You had inspections. And I can remember standing there and my shaved head, and I was skinny, 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 and all they could see from the side was my nose and my Adam's apple. And I'm standing there, and they're coming by, and they're scoping you out from top to bottom. I mean, they just look you over. And they're looking, they're skylighting your shave. They're skylighting your shave. And if they can find one little whisker, one little fuzz, then you get in trouble. So in that, with that picture in mind, I want you to envision a Marine drill sergeant coming up to you and saying, Okay, Christian, where's your joy? Okay, Christian, where's your peace? Where's your peace, soldier? Where's your joy? You say, well, I lost it back there. I, I, I've been in some pretty tough things, and, 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 and I lost it. Where, where is it? You got to have it. It's part of the regiment. You got to have it, soldier. You see, the Christian's supposed to have love, peace, joy, the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're talking about today something that I can tell you is easy to lose. And we're just going to see, we're just zeroing in on two, peace and joy. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. We're going to have a lot of verses. I hope we can keep up. Some I'm going to be using in the back of my Thompson. So that's going to... We're not going to look every single one of them. But I'll read them to you the best I can. <clears throat> Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You see, this chapter is dealing with stumbling blocks and not putting a stumbling block and the issue of eating unclean and different things. Not putting a, a stumbling block in... in front of your brother for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost let's let's pray father in heaven we thank you for the word of God we pray that you would use it today in our hearts and lives and as we realize the frailty of our humanity as we think about losing something that's very precious and treasured to you, that each one of us have an opportunity to hold on to, to cling to, because you are all of these qualities. You are the fruit of the Spirit. And so I pray that you would help our hearts to be eager to learn, our ears would be open to hear, that our minds would be sharp and free from distractions. And Father, that you would accomplish your will in our hearts and, and lives today and that we would leave here fully aware of the need to maintain the joy of the Lord and the peace of God. We love you, Father, and thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So as we've covered and talked about the fruit of the Spirit in the past, the fruit of the Spirit, it's God's fruit, it's not my fruit. I can't stand in front of the mirror and produce love. I can't stand in front of the 
the mirror and strain and look and smile and produce peace and joy. This is God's fruit. It's His work. He has to produce it in our hearts. And it's all tied into the abiding, John 15, abiding in Christ. So as he is, we're abiding in Him, He is producing His fruit in us. So it's about abiding and it's about a relationship with God the Father. It is His character. It's His fruit and it's His character being revealed and produced in our lives as He is conforming us to the image of Christ. So if someone says, you sure are, have joy, don't take credit for it because it's His joy, not yours. It's His joy, not yours. You have peace. You sure have peace in this dreadful situation you're in. Don't take any credit for it because it's not your peace. It's His peace. We're going to focus just on these two, peace and joy. Now, in conjunction with this idea of being able to keep something that is so treasured, our lives, our lives are to be a testimony of God's salvation and grace that has worked in us, has been worked in us by the grace of God. It is a, we're to be a testimony to the lost. We're to be a testimony to the lost. Now, many people talk about witnessing, and we witness in many, many different ways. We witness when we preach. I'm witnessing now when I stand here and say, if you're lost, you need to get saved. And the only way to get saved is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't join enough churches to get to heaven. There's nothing you can do but believe on the finished work of Calvary, the person of Jesus Christ. He is it. That's it. So we preach. We pass out tracts. And I really do think that is, that is something that everyone can do. And we need to have more of those in our office and available to Christians. Good, solid gospel tracts. We can leave at different places with people. Not just, you know, not just by the soap dish in the, in the restroom, but to hand it to someone as the Lord leads you. And we tell our story. We tell how we got saved. And that's why in the afternoons, on some of the afternoons, not all afternoons, but some afternoons, we're having different members get up and tell their story. <clears throat> so we can, that's, that's preaching, that's testifying, that's, that's witnessing. But it's also helping us to hear their story. And our story, our individual story is important. But our lives are to be a living example. So it's not just words, it's not just talk, not just utterance. Our lives need to be a living example of the grace of God. The change has taken place. The lost need to see something in our character, something in our behavior, <clears throat> something in our attitudes. You know, I've, I've thought about this a lot, and it, it really kind of bothers me a little bit, but there's not one thing you can do about it. Have you ever thought about when you go into a place of business or a store, or, or you're in a, with a group of people, you walk up, you say a few words, have a few words or whatever. Have you ever thought about what they say about you when you leave? Because they all talk. I mean, you're, because I've been there, when someone's walked out and then they say things about them, the ones that walked out. So, but then that causes me to think, what are they going to say about me when I walk out? And Christians are pretty good about that too. Talking about each other, sharing things about each other. And so, I, I wonder what people say about us when we leave the room. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm, I'm praying that they see something 
that is different. I pray they see a joyfulness that is genuine, not put on. I pray they see someone that is real, that has real issues in life, have real circumstances in life, that are just as real as everyone else's. But there's just something going on in their life that everybody seems to notice there's a difference. And I believe that character, that testimony, that witness can take place much of the time without you even having to say a single word. Now, it will lead. It will lead to a conversation hopefully later. But I'm talking about them noticing a difference that's real and genuine and you don't have... You know, I've been through all the different trainings. Early on, young pastor going to all these meetings, (coughs) excuse me, and all these promotions. I've been to so many different trainings. And and you know, back back a long time ago, there was this idea that you grab somebody by the Adam's apple and ask them, you know, to turn or burn. You know, if you died today, would you know that you go to heaven? And I, I still think that a lot. But, but there's a way in, in following Christ's example. There's a way to be a witness that is, is the, they see a difference in your behavior. They see a difference in your life. And that should and will maybe possibly along the way lead to a conversation where you can actually speak truth or pass the gospel out in a tract or whatever. So there are different ways to witness, but we're talking today about witnessing by our behavior, by our changed lives. Now you've heard me <clears throat> speak of John, and I'm, I would be amiss if I didn't go back there again, because that's one of my favorite, John thirteen thirty four. Just a point, you can use this and show so many different things, but turn there if you will. <clears throat> we use this a lot, but it's, it has to do with the lost watching us and seeing us. A new commandment I give unto you, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So that's the new commandment. That we're to love one another. By this, by what? By the fact that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So this verse to me is the the catalyst, if you will, for proving from Scripture that our behavior and our relationship with each other and the love that we have for each other is effective in giving, sending a message to all men. And that's, that message is, we're, we're different. There's a change in me that's taken place, and, and I'm not like the Kiwanis Club. This is different. There's a love relationship. Yeah, we've got different ideas and different views, and we're from the north and the south and the east and the west. And we've got different skin color. It doesn't matter. We love, we love each other because we have first been loved. And there's a, something going on in the body of Christ that should demonstrate that love. And, and the loss, the whole, everybody should be able to see it. So our changed lives testify of the grace of God. The lost need to see a difference in us. They need to see a loving relationship. They need to see oneness and unity. They need to see uh, the church moving together in lockstep. They need to see the fruit of the Spirit. They need to see peace and joy in our lives. They need to see peace and joy in our circumstances. They need to see peace and joy in our trials. 
We need to see, they need to see peace and joy in this day of bad news. I was sharing with Matt Adams the other day. I said, I heard this, and this doesn't apply to Christians. Christians don't need to be afraid. But what's going on in the world? All the things that are going on, I'm telling you, it is more than my life. I've never seen all the bad stuff in my lifetime. And But this is not, please understand, clarify, this is up being recorded. This is not the Christian, but this headline said, if you're not afraid by now, you ought to be. <laughs> if you're not afraid by now, you ought to be. And from a lost perspective, you know, if I didn't know Christ and I didn't have hope and I didn't have the assurance of salvation and I wasn't looking forward to heaven, I'd be scared to death because this is some bad stuff going on. This is some crazy stuff I've never in my life. By the way, I am going to be quoted sometime. I don't know when. He said he wasn't going to call my name. But Pastor Schrader said he was going to use this quote because he liked it so much. He said, man, that is a, he, just yesterday, that's a powerful statement. And I told him the statement I made here several weeks ago. That my personal belief is that COVID, because everything's a test. COVID-19, the pandemic, has been a test, a test for the church. And I, my personal opinion is, I believe the church failed the test. I believe we failed. I don't think that, that we can ever. I mean, this has hurt, this has hurt the church. Do you all understand? This, this, is, this has hurt the church. But I think it's because there's so much unrest, so much so many different opinions about, you know, what you're supposed to do to prevent it, what you're supposed to do if you get it, you know, the freedoms, all these different issues. It's just sad that, and this is, I, this may seem very simplistic, but I really believe people are dying and going to hell and burning for all eternity while we're debating mask or no mask or vaccination or no vaccination. And people are dying and going to hell. They need to see a difference in the church. They need to see us with some peace and some joy in the midst of a goofy world. In the midst of a troubling world. They need to see the difference. They need to see that, listen, no matter what comes our way, we've got something that only can be given by God, and that's peace and joy. In the midst, in the midst of this goofy, tr crazy, all this stuff that's going on. But they need to see us rise above. And the only way I can rise is be abiding in Christ, being in Christ. And it's, only, it's for His glory, not for mine. Now, I want to show you something. Just again, that John uh, passage points it out. But I want to show you another one in, this, uh, in Romans 14 also. Let, let me just read several verses here. Let verse 16, pick up in verse 16. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. And this, again, is talking about not a putting a uh, stumbling block in front of your brother and all this about eating unclean and stuff. Let, then, let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is... He that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God. Look at this, verse 18. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. And approved of men. I think that verse, along with another verse, the one that refers to the qualifications of elder, the qualifications of elder is the whole list there, but that he would have a good 
report from those that are without. So you've got those that are within, that's the church. Those that are without, that's the lost. And so you're to have a good name, a good reputation with those that are outside the body of Christ. So it, my point is this. It is important what people think about Christians. Our behavior is important. Our character is important. Now, in Matthew 5.13 and 14.15.16, we're, we're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world. We're salt and light. So that, they, so that all men will see your good works. They can see your good works. Again, the idea that people will see your lifestyle, see your behavior, see your character. <clears throat> they need to see it. Your salt and light. The bottom line, as they say, we say today, the lost are watching us whether we want to acknowledge it or agree with it or not. The lost are watching Christians. They're watching you on the job. They're watching you at work. Listen, there are men that tell me, this is amazing to me. There are men that tell me, there are men that claim to be Christians at work and their behavior, their language, their storytelling, and even to the point that they go afterwards to go have a beer with the, all the guys. And then they talk about the Sunday school class they're teaching. Now, I'm going to tell you, lost people pick up on this kind of stuff. Lost people pick up on this kind of behavior. And this, I've had a guy, this was years ago, he said he, he, was, he became a, a, a juvenile probation officer. And he said, I've learned, and he's a Christian, he said, I've learned that if you're going to reach people, you've got to be like them. So he showed up at my house and came to church in the gaudiest apparel. This was back, back years ago here. I think he, we were in the other building. And he showed up in the gaudiest, dress, apparel, I've ever seen. And it's it just, it's incredible. The idea that I've got to be like them, I've got to talk like them, I've got to do like them, I've got to act like them so I can reach them. No, I'm telling you that I think the Bible is talking complete opposite. This character, this fruit of the Spirit is something that God produces and He expects each one of us to maintain it and keep it and hold on to it. And the lost will see a difference between us and the lost guy that's going out to have a beer with the gang. They will see a difference. And you know what? They may laugh, they may jeer, they may... But I'm going to tell you this, and this has been proven out many, many times over. When they get in a tight spot, they know who to call on. They're not going to call on their buddy that goes out drinking. They're going to call on the guy that doesn't cuss. And the guy that has a, he's normal. He's normal. But they know he's genuine. There's something different. There's something about his life. There's a difference. There's a change. He doesn't use the Lord's name in vain. He doesn't talk vulgar. He doesn't lower himself to these standards. But he's still a real human being. And that's the person he's going to want to go to. There was a lady, and Cherry, you remember, right on this street. She, we lived right beside him. It was tough. It was tough. 
She was the one that a ball, we were playing pitch in the backyard. My boys were little. Threw the ball, accidentally went over the fence, and she ran out in the backyard and looked at us and threw that ball, and she said, don't you ever let that happen again. We're just like, what? Had a big Doberman pincher. The Doberman was so covered with fleas, it died of flea bites. We felt like she had demons. But on her deathbed, Cherry was there and others were there ministering to her. But on her deathbed, right before she died, she called for my wife. She said, somebody go get Linda. Somebody go get Linda. And Linda was able to be there and pray with her. Cherry, I'm sure you were there. You got called. She was a strange individual, but when it came right down to dying, she knew who to call. And folks, I'm going to tell you, lost people are watching. They're watching our behavior. They're watching our lives. They're watching our actions, our attitudes, and they need to see Christ. Romans 14, 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken unto you that, may, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. That's John 15, 11. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I love this one. This is Psalm 1611. Thou will show me the path of life. Now listen to this. Thou will show me the path of life in thy presence. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. At the right, thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger endureth but for a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. John 16, 24. Hither too have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. I want to read some other verses to you that were powerful. I, in fact, I told my wife, I said, there are so many wonderful verses on joy and peace. And she said, I wish you had them all typed out on a page so we could... But you can look them up in your concordance. You can look them up. They're easy to find. But just look up verses on joy and peace. Let me just, let me just read you a couple. And here I'm going to use my Thompson just for the sake of time. But this is uh, uh, Isaiah 61.10. If you want to take a note of the verse, you can look it up later. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation he hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, Thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. There's reason enough to rejoice and be joyful. Because we're called by his name. 1 Peter 1.8 Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom though now ye see him not yet believing, Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Just by referring to the very name of Christ. 
It's exciting. The relationship that we have with Him produces this joy, this love, this peace that, that only He can accomplish in our lives. Now, this difference that, that we're to be, this, this change in behavior, change in attitudes, is to be genuine. But it's not to be, I really think, this is again a personal opinion, I think the crazy, weird behavior of some so-called Christians, I believe that gives place for mockery and poking fun and I just think they're, they're missing an opportunity to, to relate to people when you're acting so goofy and you're slain in the spirit. You know, you're missing something. You're trying to, trying to do something spectacular, but people need someone who's real. They need to see reality. They need to see that you hurt, that you suffer pain. That you have circumstances, you have financial issues, you have health issues. They need to see that and they need to know that. But something in you, and it's Christ, but something in you shines so differently. And they, listen, I believe they can see it. They can detect it. They can know it. You know, Acts, Acts 5... Why don't you turn there real quick? Acts 5. That's one of the... And I could give you the very shortest version, and maybe that's what we need to do, but this is where Peter and some apostles were in prison for preaching Christ. And they were brought before the council, and, you know, they were saying, we're going to put them to death. We just decided we're going to go and put them to death. And Gamaliel said, look, if this is God, you can't fight against it. You're not going to win. And so they ended up um, straightly commanding. They said, we told you not to teach in this name. Stop teaching in this name. And then the famous verse, uh, 5.29, where they responded, we ought to obey God rather than men. We're going to keep preaching Christ. So we'd, we're, we ought to obey God rather than men. And, and the scripture says they were cut to the heart, but they still wanted to slay them. And then that's when they had the discussion about, you know, if this is God, you can't overthrow it. And they, so they agreed, verse 40, they agreed. And when they had called Verse 40, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, verse 41, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. See that? Rejoicing. They've just been beaten, folks. They've been in and out of prison. They've just been beaten. And they rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. I mean, think about it. Think about it. They were, they were, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They rejoiced. They didn't murmur. Think about it if that was today. They didn't murmur. They didn't file a lawsuit. And they didn't yell, I've been abused. Think about it. The conditions in that prison, the beatings, Surely somebody would have to agree that was unjust. That was abusive. It was too much. But what was produced was joy and peace. And everyone there had to see it. Now the enemy, we're talking about getting back into the battle. The enemy is out to steal and rob us of our joy and peace. 
We have these circumstances, we have these issues, but the enemy is out. And there, there are several verses that you could look at, but consider John 10.10. 10. Think about that, and it's a very familiar verse, and everyone's familiar with it. But think about it in the context of robbing and stealing something away that's, that's important to God in our lives. John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Very familiar, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. What if we said he's out to steal your joy? He's out to steal your joy. He's out to steal your peace. He's out to kill your desire to live a godly life. And he's out to destroy your testimony. He's out to destroy your testimony. He's trying to rob and steal something that's very precious to God in our lives. Matthew 13, 19, the parable of soil. Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in our hearts, the seed. We talk about it all the time. The seed is being sown and the wicked one is coming to snatch away, catch away the seed that is being sown on our hearts. He's trying to steal something. You see, I believe this is very scriptural, that the devil is out to take something from you that should be very precious to us. He's out to steal our joy and he's out to steal our peace. He's robbing, he's trying to rob us of something that God says is very, very important. So we must be wise. We must be on guard. This is why I'm preaching this. So we'll be alert to it. So we'll be aware of it. So we'll be fully aware and not ignorant of his devices. That we would be aware that this is something that's going on. And it, there are some things to consider. Yes. One, I think it really starts in the mind. You know, you've heard hundreds of messages and there's books written, the battle for the mind. I think this, this issue of losing your joy, losing your peace, it really can start probably in your mind. The battle of your mind, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3 through 5. Let me just turn there real quick. 2, 2 Corinthians 10. You're all familiar with it. Taking captive every thought. <clears throat> Verse 3, for we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. There's that picture again of warring. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So these thoughts are coming into our minds, the fiery darts, whatever, however you want to relate to it. But these thoughts are coming into our minds and if we don't handle it property, properly and take captive these thoughts and our minds get to thinking on things that we're not to be thinking on, thinking on how dreadful it is, how bad it is, how outlandish it is, all these different things, if our minds, if we don't take captive, then we are going to fall into the trap of losing our joy. You're going to look up and you're not going to have any joy. And it's really going to start, it's going to be really right in your mind. It starts there for sure. We must be engaged. We must be ready for the battle. We must be alert to the fact this is happening. My mind can drift. My mind can get away. I can start thinking about all kind of crazy things. And, and then I look up and I, I, I don't have it. Where's your joy, soldier? I don't have any joy. Because, because we're so wrapped up. This is what happens we get so wrapped up in our circumstances, so wrapped up in the problem 
that we're, we're really more involved in the problem than focusing on the problem solver. And so it, it's just, it just a, a, a vicious cycle. But think about it. When you start, and I, Pastor Schrader said something yesterday. He's, he said he's talking to his church a lot about, you know, examining yourself. And, and you've heard me say that a lot during Lord's Supper and other times. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Do you, do you have the joy of the Lord? Do you have peace in your heart? Are you enjoying that right now in the midst of a troubled world? In the midst of difficult circumstances? In the midst of difficult issues, health issues in people's lives. I mean, I've never known so many. Ever. But that's no excuse for giving up joy and peace in our lives. So it's in your mind. It starts in your mind taking captive every thought. And then Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good report. If there's any virtue, any praise. Think on these things. Scripture addresses Scripture addresses how to combat these issues. And, it's, and our minds need to be redirected. Listen, we're human. Our minds drift off. Oh, there's a problem. Oh, that's going to... And, and we start spiraling downward. And we start thinking... We look up and we don't have any joy. Where's your joy? I don't have it. I lost it. How'd you lose it? Well, I started thinking all this stuff. The what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if we're overrun? What if? All these things. And I started, so I started focusing on that. But it's not whatever's true, whatever's honest, whatever's just, pure, lovely, good report, or any virtue in any praise. Think on these things. That's where our mind should be. And yes, we're human. And yes, we do drift off. But we've got a responsibility to take captive to bring it back. That's the, that's the mature believer. Bringing it back. Bringing your thoughts back. <clears throat> so we need to be alert. Let me just throw out a couple of ideas here. Kind of wrapping, getting closer to the end. Not going to say in conclusion. but uh, Because I'd, I'd hear about that. But as we're moving closer to the end. That's pretty good, Pastor Joe. You might want to remember that. <laughs> As we're moving closer to the end. <clears throat> Here's something that the Lord gave me this week. You look up and you don't have joy. You might not have a clear conscience. If you don't have a clear conscience, I'm saying... A clear conscience is a pathway to joy and peace. Amen? A clear conscience is a pathway to joy and peace. That's good, isn't it? I didn't read that from anybody. Just straight from heaven. Straight from God. That's the kind I like, Dwight. <laughs> They're few and far between. <laughs> <clears throat> Clear conscience. So, things that hit. <laughs> this is y'all's last Sunday for sure. You want to come back? Okay. <laughs> You're going to watch next week online. All right. That's a promise. Okay. Okay. You keep on. That's all right. <clears throat> I love to laugh. I think laughter is good medicine. You ought to try a dose of it from time to time. <clears throat> but a clear conscience has to do with if we've got hatred in our heart, we don't have a clear conscience. If we've got bitterness in our heart, we don't have a clear conscience. If we've got secret sins in our life, we don't have a clear conscience. Broken relationships, we don't have a clear conscience. And, and here's one that I know so many people appreciate and agree with. If you're meddling in somebody else's jurisdiction, you're probably not going to have the peace and joy of the Lord. You're not going to have a clear conscience. Because you're meddling in somebody else's jurisdiction. That's pretty good too, Dwight. <clears throat> so then when we have trials, we have a choice in these trials to either receive or reject the grace of God. So if we reject the grace of God, you can count on the fact you probably don't have a clear conscience and you probably don't have joy and peace.
You begin to think more about yourself and have a pity party and how bad it is. Let, let me just share real quickly, and I know that we're really close to the time. But this has been a, a trial for us. I mean, it's not as bad as some, but it has been a trial. And as I've had to do certain responsibilities that are out of my area and there are things that I'm not used to doing, um, just everything so much. Um, the Lord used that to bring two families to mind in particular. The Petties and the Pools. As I was thinking about, man, this is, this is a lot. I didn't realize, you know, tending somebody that's recovering from, from a surgery could be so much. And so you begin to kind of have a pity party. Well, I could be doing something else. And the Lord just very clearly, very clearly reminded me of Bill Petty and Nina and Carolyn and Rod Poole. See, we've been doing this for a couple of weeks. Tomorrow is three weeks. They've been doing it months. Months. So allow the Lord to use your trial to think more of others than you do yourself. And focus more on the problem solver and less on your problems. And then Psalm 4.8, I love this one. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only maketh me dwell in safety. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. In the midst of a troubled world, in the midst of a sick world, in the midst of a wicked world, in the midst of a, a, a crazy ideas and thinking, can you lay down at night in peace? What do you have to take to get to sleep? I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only maketh me dwell in safety. That is Psalm 4, 8. You need to know where that one is. <clears throat> so the lost don't need to be hearing our fears and seeing us being anxious over things. They need to know that we are... Trusting completely in the Lord and His protection. This is the hour. This day that we're living in history is the time that the lost, the dying world need to see Christians facing tomorrow full of joy and peace. We are human. We are we do hurt and we do feel pain and we do have emotions, but we need to be aware that there is a way based on the word of God and it's all wrapped up in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can maintain and hold on to the joy and peace of the Lord in our lives. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. There are scriptures, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I think of Mrs. Jones every time I think of Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Christian, if you were being inspected by that drill sergeant, that Marine, and he's saying, Marine, where is your joy? Marine, where is your peace? And you're standing there shaking and quivering and saying, 
I've got it, sir. And it's all found and wrapped up in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he lives in me. He is my hope of glory. You can have peace and joy in the midst of a storm. Church, it's time. Today is the hour. This is our opportunity to live it, not just say it. Let's pray. Father, we trust you now to accomplish your will, that you would speak to our hearts in a real way, a genuine way. That, Father, that you would accomplish your will and that we would respond accordingly, that we would be changed, that we would see how you can produce by your power, by your character, by who you are in us, you can produce joy and peace that is your joy and your peace overflowing out of us in the midst of difficult situations. We pray that the lost would see and that the lost would want to be saved, that they'd be saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in Him for complete salvation. Pray that you would accomplish your will and your way today in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing our hymn.